Hey, we are so glad you guys are here tonight. Glad you took time to come out to the CPR on a cold, windy night in October. So I pray that you would just take a moment, say hi to somebody, welcome them here, say I'm glad you're here, give them a hug, a high five, introduce yourself, and then take a seat when you're done. I want to take time to introduce myself to some of you guys. My name is Chris Peters. Uh, um, I've been a campus minister around here for a while, since 1997. And uh, we're going to start a little different tonight into the message, because since this is my last CPR on staff, uh, some of you guys, boo, some of you guys know that this summer, uh, unexpectedly, God sort of laid something in my heart and sort of said, hey, this is a time for you to transition into something new, and I'm still discovering what that is, and it's exciting and developing. I can't quite announce it yet. I don't quite have it together yet. God's still leading me into it, but I'm excited about where God's leading. I'm so excited about what God's doing in our team and the new people who've joined our CM staff. And one of the things that has been true over the 20 and a half years that I've been here is that these campus praise rallies have been like a highlight of every year. All these Monday nights where we just sort of come and we meet with God. And I thought it would be important for you to meet two people who were part of that when we were back in 1997. So I want to introduce Scott and Lisa Hazard, have them come up, and I'll say a few words. Give them a big round of applause. So just to let you know, when I started in 97, Lisa had started the year before. She was the worship director and did small groups. We led small groups together for a while. And Lisa was on staff for seven years. And then Scott and Lisa were dating and then got married. And Lisa was leading worship. And Scott was good on a soundboard. And he could lug equipment. So he started doing hauling the equipment up here. Or we, the CPRs used to be in Cooked Wit. And we grew out of Cooked Wit and came over here and had to bring over the screens and all that stuff. But I thought it would be fun for you to hear from Lisa a little bit about why we started the CPRs and how exciting it is to see this. So I'll give Lisa a chance and I'll explain a little bit more about Scott. Well, first, I just want to say that you guys are beautiful. I don't know if you know that, but to see you, I know for guys, you're probably like, I'm not beautiful, but you <laughs> are, you are. To stand back there and see you worship is amazing. And I just want to say that God in heaven is receiving your offering of worship like a fragrance, like a sweet fragrance. And it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so it's so cool to come back and see this still going on and see all of you doing this. Because you know what? We, we have four kids now. And I know you probably doesn't look like because we're like, we're like 29 and stuff. But anyway, <laughs> um, we have four kids. And we tell them the two most important things, the two most important decisions that you will make your entire life is whether or not you will follow God and who you're going to marry. They will impact every single day of your life forward. And so the fact that you guys are out here on this rainy, cold, dreary night, when you could be doing a hundred other things that you've chosen to be here to pursue God is incredible. And it is amazing and beautiful to see. And so it's, it's just a joy to be mm -hmm. here. So CPRs, what, 20? That's what I'm supposed to talk about, right? 20 years, <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> 20 years ago, right? Chris and I started working together, and this, this dream came up to do this, led by God, and he has borne the fruit in that. 
over the past years. And so um, to, to soak up these opportunities before you soak up Chris's teaching, because um, Chris has been here 20 years, which is an amazing thing. And um, <laughs> so God's done a lot through him. All right. And, uh, Thank you. I just want to say one of the things is Lisa left staff after seven years, but Scott stayed on and helped us with sound and trained some of our sound technicians and lugged equipment and did CPRs for all these years. So Lisa's been a little bit more out of the picture for the last number of years, but Scott's been here. We were glad to add Patrick as uh, our productions guy this year. He's doing an awesome job. But I wanted to say thank you to Scott, especially for the last years where he's been doing this. He's been behind the scenes, never really been on stage, carried a lot of speakers and done a lot of things and made everything sound good and cooked wit or here. So thank you. One of, I don't know if you want to say anything in particular, you certainly can. Sure. I'll just, uh, I'll say the same thing I've always said to the, the worship teams when we've gotten together and that's that there is nothing, I mean, nothing like worshiping in a room full of um, college students. So, so as, as Lisa said, tre treasure this. Um, it's a unique experience. Um, the, the passion, the hunger you guys have, um, you don't get it anywhere else. So, so soak it up here, but then take it with you, too, when you leave. Because you go out into church these days, and, and there's passion out there, too, but it's nothing like, like what you have here. So just um, treasure that and uh, take it with you, too, when you leave here. One of the things you don't know is we've given Scott a stipend over the years to help out with the uh, different ways he's helped out with sound. And they always have used that to pay for their kids to go to Christian camp in the summertime, different things. So we have a card for you that includes some of that stipend money, but also a gift that's for you two to go away. Go to Chicago, go to Traverse City, go to Detroit, wherever you want to go. You cannot use it for your kids. Are you watching our kids then? Uh, you can use some of it to pay for the babysitter. <laughs> so I want to, let's give these guys a big round of applause. Thank you so much. All right. So, thank you so much. Where else? So, thank you for taking the time to be out here. There's so many good memories. And tonight, I want to um, ask you guys a favor. I'm going to share with you one of my favorite messages and one of the best stories I have over the past 20 years of here at the CPR. Can I do that? All right. So, tonight, we're sort of going to jump in. And if this is your first time here, I want you to know that our goal, our hope at this campus praise rally is that you come and that somehow God draws near to you here. And that you, in the singing, in the prayers, in the teaching, that you somehow encounter God in some new ways, in some fresh ways, in some renewing ways. And whether you need to be quiet or you need to sing out with all your heart and all your spirit, that you feel the freedom to be here. So tonight, I want to just talk a little bit about why we worship and what God wants to do in our lives when we worship. Because all of us, I believe, are wired for worship. That somewhere in us, in our core, in our gut, in the center of our being, that there is a God-shaped puzzle piece that only he can fill. And that we try and we get distracted and we wander, but I really believe that we were wired to worship God, that we were created in his image and only his image and his presence can fill that spot. 
So I want to read two scriptures and then talk about them for a little bit tonight. So here we go. From Romans 12, one of my favorite verses. It says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, in view of God's grace, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And another favorite verse of mine from Hebrews chapter 12 at the end, verses 28 and 29. It says, Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So tonight, I just want to talk right at why are we here? Why do we sing? Why are we here gathering together? And why, when we're alone and we're opening the word and praying to God, what is our worship all about? That we would rediscover worship a little bit. Because in some ways, the way we talk, we can make it seem like worship is just singing. Or worship is just this hour, but it's more than that. It's about the way that we live. It's not just what we do on Sundays. It's more than a style of music, more than prayer, more than money and giving money. It's primarily about God. Biblically, worship is all about responding in honest and authentic and right ways to God. Worship is not just a part of your life, something you do one hour on Sundays. Worship is anything that you do that brings pleasure to God, is an act of worship. One of my favorite definitions is by Louis Giglio in a book called The Air I Breathe. And it says, worship, this is a great definition, is worship is our response, both personally, individually, and corporately, when we are reminded that we are a body, we're the body of Christ called together. It's our response, both personal and corporate, to God for who God is and what he has done, expressed in and by the things that we say, what we say corporately, and in the way that we live out our lives day by day. Worship is not one hour a week, it's 24-7. It's about when our head and what we say and think in our mind and what matches up what's in our hearts and our feelings and our thoughts and emotions. It's not just about being in church or back in the Old Testament in the tent or in the temple. It's about God being with us on the trails and the pathways of our lives. And something I want to just talk to you about is what does our worship arise from? Our worship flows out of gratitude, like it says in the Hebrews passage. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. Worship flows out of gratitude and freedom. When we worship, when we really come in worship and sort of let ourselves be in the presence of God, God reminds us of who we are against all the voices in the world that say we're not good enough, we're not going to make it, or we're not sure if we're going to endure, God reminds us that we're a child of the king and that he's given us amazing gifts in the Holy Spirit and that by Christ's death and by Christ's resurrection, he's set us free to worship him and set us free from the law of sin and death so that we might receive new life in him. And that even more than that, that God gives us eternal life, life that can begin now 
a different kind of life, and that can transcend the grave. Also, when we worship out of gratitude, God reminds us that we're not alone, that we're called to be a people together, and that God will never leave us or forsake us. And when God reminds us of that, it sort of fuels our worship. When you remember God's promises, Stacy talked about that last night, how do we remember? So that when we're in the day-to-day struggle of college, in day-to-day struggle in your family life and in other things, you know that God will never leave you or forsake you. Worship also grows out of the sense of an overflow of a changed life. That you and I have received unmerited grace. That when we worship, it's a response to what God has done so completely by Christ's death and his resurrection. We don't worship on our own merit. We're not trying to earn brownie points. We're not trying to figure out a way to earn our way to God. It's all a response to a gift that we couldn't earn ourselves. And that God wants each of us to live in the confidence that the king of all creation is also yours and mine, Abba, our daddy, our Abba father. So one of the things I want you to see is that when you're coming into worship tonight, when you're thinking, think about what do I have to be grateful for? How's my life different because of Christ and what Christ has done and how, my relationship with him? The second thing is I want you to know is that in our worship, one of the things that God wants to accomplish is that he wants to reveal who he is in the depths of his nature. Worship is a gift that helps us see God in all of this all of his fullness. It says in our passage that we should worship God with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. And one of my favorite quotes is a convicting kind of quote. It was by A.W. Tozer, a famous author in the 19th century. He said this, Left to ourselves, we tend to immediately reduce God to manageable terms. God created us in his image, but we tend to do the reverse. We tend to impose our image upon God and make him more consumable and more approachable. And that's a challenge for us when we're in worship to say, no, God isn't just our best friend, that God is wholly other, completely different. And I want to tell you a story now uh, from a few years ago. Some of you guys know my family. This is my current family, my wife Rita and I on the left, and then my daughter Bryn, who just graduated from Zealand West, is at University of Tennessee. My son Bryce with a beard. Bradley doesn't have a beard yet. He's only in middle school. And my daughter Brittany lives in Colorado Springs. That's a current picture. This story I'm going to tell you is when Bradley was just about one year old, and I'll show a picture. That's when he was a newborn. But Bryn was about that age, and this is a story about when I was out and about with... uh, Bryn and Bradley. So let me tell you the story. Back in 2005, my family and I went on a trip, and I'm crazy about the mountains. Whether it be winter for skiing or whether it be summer for hiking, I love the mountains. And I took our family on a road trip across the country all the way out to Vancouver and to British Columbia, out to Whistler, Canada. And we rented a spot in Whistler, Canada, where we were there for a couple, for two weeks, actually. And we stayed in a place. And one of the things you need to know about Whistler, it's a ski area, one of the best ski areas in the country, but we're there in the summer, is that Whistler is bear country. 
So when you're there, when you're driving up there, you see that sign. It says, caution, bears, next 50 kilometers, don't feed the bears. They prepare you. Hey, if you're in Whistler, if you're in British Columbia, you might see a bear. So you see the next one. It says, hey, if you're a mountain biker, yield to pedestrians. If you're a mountain biker, yield to bears. And if you're a pedestrian, yield to bears. So (laughs) bears are around, right? This makes sense. Go to the next one. It says, you see this all over the place. Hey, get bear smart. What are you going to do if you encounter a bear? Now, Bradley was about one year old just before his first birthday. We're in, it's in July of 2005. I'm taking Bradley for a walk in his stroller, and Bryn is with me. We're going for a walk through the neighborhood, through the thing, and I, I get them out, and we're walking down the road, and I forgot something. So I walk back, and I leave them outside, and I go inside, and I'm getting, I don't know if it was my keys or a jacket or what, and I'm getting something, and then all of a sudden, Bryn shows up inside, and this is what she said. There's a book. <laughs> There's a book. That's all she could say. And she had this sort of like terrified look on her face. And I'm like, Bradley's outside. <laughs> but, you know, in a stroller, strapped in, so he can't move. What's going on out there? I'm like, if Bradley gets hurt, Rhea's going to kill me. You know, like, <laughs> like, so... What happened was, is that Bryn had walked around the corner of the villa that we were staying in, and there, that's not the picture, but you get the idea, <laughs> is uh, there's a bear, and it was much closer than this. And she had been told, and we talked about, you might see a bear, but when she encountered a bear up close, it was awesome and terrifying. And it was terrifying for me. And so I walked out and put the next slide up. You know, bears are something we love. We have teddy bears and we have all different things. We go to build a bear. But when, <laughs> but when you encounter a bear, it's awesome and scary because you're not quite sure what's going to happen. And what I want to teach you tonight and talk to you about is that Worship is a little bit like that. We love to talk about Jesus being our rock and our redeemer, Jesus being our friend. But our passage tonight from Hebrews remind us is that when we worship here, I pray, and when we worship at the well, and when we worship in our lives, that we're coming before the very face of God. And that to come before God is an awesome, awe-filled experience. Part of the awesomeness of worship is that we are not just worshiping, worshiping some generic God that we create or that we synthesize between other religions. We really believe, we know, God's revealed himself to us through Jesus and through his word that we're worshiping the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, the great triune God. And that when we worship, we're worshiping the God of justice and truth. And that God's holy. And that God's matchless. And that he's the creator. And the creator of the universe is inviting you and I, by his gift of grace, to worship him. And that when we worship, we encounter that holy God, the otherness of God. We're reminded how much different God is than all the other things that are created 
in this universe. And we, uncover, and we encounter the mystery of God. There's this wonderful quote that I think helps us get a sense of it. It says, if God was small enough for us to completely understand, he wouldn't be big enough for us to worship. God is awesome. And as we worship tonight, we live in this tension between reverence and awe. Stacy said last night, faith, not fear. I want to add something to that. I want you to have appropriate fear for God. You see, we live in the tension of being humbled by God and amazed by the glory of God. That we can fall, that fall to the ground in submission to God. That we can be secure in him, but somewhat afraid at the same time. We can be completely in love in response to God and in awe. Like, wow. We can be bowed low, but somehow lifted high in God's presence. We can fall face down before God in humility, but somehow be drawn closer to him. And somehow in God's mercy, God draws us near. And what I want to sort of help us hold in tension is that I want you to think, as you're coming tonight, no matter what your background, whether you're exploring Christianity for the first time, whether you've been a long-term Christian and worship is something that you're familiar with, I want all of us to think about this. I want you to hold these two things in tension. That you hold the wow and the woe, and that is spelled correctly, the wow and the woe of worship. But somehow you have this sense of like, wow, I want to just shout out and praise God and celebrate the goodness of God. I want to marvel and admire God, be in awe and ponder who he is in all that he's done, the amazing things that he's created, the complete way that he's loved us, and just ponder and wonder and go, wow, that God who created everything I've ever seen, who's created each of you in his image, invites me to worship and be his child, his son or daughter. And to come here with that kind of joy and energy. One of the students a number of years ago used to call this not the campus praise rally, she called the campus praise riot. And I sort of like that. <laughs> but at the same time, I want you to think about the woe of worship. That, hey, maybe I need to pause a little bit, like saying woe to a horse. I need to slow down. I need to think about what it means for me to come in the presence of a holy God, being someone who's, who's struggling with sin. And who needs his gift of grace to be called into worship. I need to sometimes just stand still and not speak. And just respect God in his holiness. To tremble at his greatness, his majesty, and his power. You guys might have heard this famous quote from Mr. Beaver in C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. I've heard it numerous times in numerous sermons. But where they describe... Aslan, who's the lion, the Christ figure, represents in this way. It says, um, someone asks Mr. Beaver about Aslan, and he says, 
Is he safe? And Mr. Beaver responds, who said anything about safe? Of course he isn't safe, but he's good. So tonight, I want you to sort of think about God reveals the depths of his character. God reminds you of who he is and that he is wholly other than anything that we've had. And I have one last, two last points I want to sort of point out. One other thing that God hopes in our worship is that God would renew our perspective. I don't know about you, but I imagine from when talking with the different students who've been around Cook DeWitt or I've encountered on campus is that your days are very full. My days are very full. And I'm always filled up with my list, my tests, my struggles, my duties that I have to do day in and day out. And everything in our culture screams and says, me, that I am the center. I am what's important and that what's important is me. And what happens for me when I finally let myself slow down and enter into worship, whether it be with all of you and how we call each other and respond to God or when I take time to open his word and to get quiet, is that I get refocused and I get resized and I realize that we are worshiping an amazing, matchless God and that I'm not the center, but that God's the one who sits on the throne. I said to you that I love to hike and let me show you this picture. When you hike and you're walking, you see the trail, but all you see is the trees and the rocks and the challenge and the uphill climb. But every once in a while, when you're hiking, you get to see a vista. And when you see the long view and you get to see your destination, it gives you energy for the trail. And what I'm hoping is, is that when you're here tonight at a campus praise rally or when you're opening your word on your own or with your friends and your life groups, is that you get renewed and that you get perspective that college isn't everything that you are not your GPA. You're a child of the king. And that God would resize you a little bit and say, hey, you are not that important, but you are on a first-name basis with the creator of the universe. That he is God and you and I are not. And after all these things that I'm talking about, that God wants to, <clears throat> our worship to flow out of gratitude, that he wants to remind us of his nature and who he is, and that God wants to renew our perspective. The last thing is, is that when we worship God, God wants to re-energize us, to re-engage our world. That God wants to say, after you've worshiped me, I want you to respond. And what does it look like for you to respond? It looks like you would just open up your life and say, God, how are you going to use me? I want to surrender my time and my talents and my life and all the things. I want to put you, let you be in the center of my life. I want you to use me to, be, to glorify you where I work, in my classrooms, where I go to school, with my friends and with the people I live around on campus. God, I want you to re-energize me 
to live against the flow, to have courage to love people who are hard to love, to have the freedom to forgive someone who you don't know if you've had the ability to forgive, to have the strength to press on in the midst of really big challenges. And one of the things that I've learned as colleges, there's a lot of really difficult things happening in your lives. And I want you to know that God's right here with you in worship, and he wants you to be honest. Pour out your prayers to him, whether they be prayers of praise or prayers of sorrow or of grief, that you can bring that here in worship. And I guess the way I want to sort of finish tonight is this, is that my hope after all these things that God will do for us in worship is that you would just say, here I am, God. Use me. Send me. We have all these awesome ministries here in the back that would love to help you figure out a next step for you to be able to serve God. So Scott's going to talk more about that later, but I just want to invite you tonight that when we get done here, when I get done and say the prayer, we're going to stand and we're going to sing four or five songs that are going to speak directly to God. And I want us to take a moment, whether you need to sit, whether you need to sing out with everything you have, just let it be a time where it's you and God together as a corporate body and you and God individually, where you're worshiping him and allowing him to speak and you're bringing yourself to him and say, God, meet me here, draw me near, give me your peace that passes all understanding. Pray that you'll allow God to meet you in worship and that you'll bring your whole self and your praises to him for all the good things he's done for us. Will you pray with me, please? Lord, when we come here tonight, so many things on our mind, but I pray tonight that you would honor the fact that we're all here and I pray, Lord, that as we sing, as we reflect, as we together call ourselves in response to you, I pray, Lord, that you would meet us here, that you'd give us what we need, each of us individually, that you'd fill us with your spirit tonight, that you'd encourage us where we need encouragement, that you'd forgive us where we need forgiveness, and that you'd empower us where we need strength for the journey. And we pray, Lord, that it would be about each of us encountering Jesus tonight. And we pray it in Jesus' name, through the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.